do me a favor, open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. We're in a series called Let Heaven and Nature Sing. And what is heaven and nature singing about? It is singing about a marvelous and a king who has come to save his people. In Luke chapter 2, we are going to, to see how a group of shepherds have a song of great joy. They've been given a song of great joy. And what is this joy? This joy is knowing that there is a king of the universe who decided to come down and share the story to share the message of the gospel. Think about that. I mean, picture, picture this in your mind, right? That the, the king of the universe who was enthroned by the praises of his angels, who, who saw and looked down on earth because he was bigger than, than earth. He's bigger than his creation and and he would hear the praises of the angels, but now he would come down to earth and have to learn how to hear. A God who was able to see the splendor of his creation now would come to know and learn to live among his creation. Think about that. I mean, picture that in your mind that the God of the universe, the king of all Fully divine is now taking on flesh so that what? You and I can have life. And that is a song of joy. That's the title of today's message. A song of joy will be in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at the story of the shepherds and the angels in verses 8 to 20. And if you don't have a Bible with you this morning, there's a Bible in the pew back in front of you. You can grab that Bible. That is a gift from us. Um, if you don't have one, and turn to page 857. I love this story. I love, I love what God is doing with the shepherds, and I'm reminded of what he did with Mary. We talked about last week that Mary was, was seen by God. He saw her fit to be part of the redemptive story. He, he knew her. He knew that she was humble and lowly and that she didn't regard herself as someone who would deserve a great and, 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 a, and an awesome privilege to bear the son. But yet she was grateful for it that she would be part of the story. And then we know that she's loved by God. That's a beautiful testimony for us that she... She would be known by her compassion and, and grace. And, and if you think about that, you think, you think of the story of Mary, and then you come to this passage in chapter 2, and, and you, you begin to wonder, what is God doing? Why is he doing th this this way? Right? Like, why would he pick Mary? Why wouldn't he pick someone else? You get to Luke chapter 2, and then you say, why would he make an announcement to the, to the shepherds? I mean, think about it. If you had a major announcement, who are you going to tell? Like, you'll tell your close friends. You'll tell your family members, your coworkers. You're not going to go tell the people that you don't know. And we see in this, in this verse, this passage, that it was Mary who was lowly and humble, 
before God. And, and then we see in chapter 2 that, that in this passage, which is in fact probably the most famous passage of Christmas. I mean, I don't think you can... You can't hear about Christmas and not know the story of the angels singing the glory of God to the shepherds. So we come to chapter 2. Mary has given birth. The king of kings, the creator of the universe, the visible image of God has been born. And not only that, he's lying in a feeding trough. So what, what happens in chapter 2? Let's read it. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, that will be for all the people. Verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Last verse, verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen as it had been told to them. I want us to notice the sequence of events in this passage because I think it's going to help us understand the purpose of this passage. The sequence of the events is there's an appearance. It is dark. The shepherds are taking care of the sheep. And in an appearance of angels, they are told the message of the gospel. What is their first response? Fear. I would be afraid too if there was an angel and a couple of thousand other angels just singing out of nowhere in the middle of the dark. I would think I was going crazy. And then they receive the message and then a sign. They're told the message that, that the king of kings, the Lord of lords, has been born. You're going find him, to find him lying in a manger. In fact, I'm going to tell you where he's at. He's in the city of David. He's in Bethlehem. So what do they do with the sign? They go. They go see for themselves what God has promised them. So what's the purpose of the message, right? The, the purpose of this message, right, is that, that God, the king of kings, through the message of this angel is going to bring great joy to who? To them. 
to the people, to us. He's not coming in judgment. So often, many times in those days, and even in, in, in our times, right, when a king would come, he would announce his arrival to the dignitaries and the vice regents, and at many times he would, he would come in judgment. He would come to execute justice over a city, over a people. He would come in war to fight and conquer land, and he would oppress these people. The message that we see given to the shepherds, it's not a message of judgment. It's a message of joy. It's a message that you and I will have life through this king. It's a message for you and I to respond to the glory and praise and majesty of the God who's our deliverer. There's nothing to be afraid of. Though we reverence God, we realize that he's holy and just. The message here, he's coming. And when he comes, he's going to give you joy. There's nothing to fear. The purpose of the message for us this morning is that we would find joy. Not just happiness. That we would find true joy. True contentment. In who? In this king whose message is that he's coming to deliver you from your oppressor, who's our oppressor, sin and death. But it's odd to me that when you look at the sequence of events that are happening in this passage and the purpose of this passage, that he would come to the shepherds. Why the shepherds? Why not the high priest? He's the one who makes sacrifices on, be on behalf of the people before God. Why not the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders? They're the ones who know this, right? They studied the scriptures. They were aware of the promises. They were aware of the word of God. And yet, he doesn't come to them. He comes to the shepherds. Why the shepherds? Why does he come to them? So this morning we'll ask that question, why does God reveal Jesus' birth to the shepherds? Let's, let's look at the shepherds for a minute in the context of this passage. One, we know a couple of things about shepherds in this time. Shepherds were unnoticed by authorities. Right? They, they weren't seen by people in power. They weren't considered men of privilege and nobility. They weren't considered um, wise individuals, influential people in our culture and society. They weren't known for their intellect and their philosophical ideas. They weren't known to provide insight. They weren't representatives of the Roman Empire, they were just shepherds. They were ostracized by society. Why were they ostracized by society? Because they couldn't observe Israel's ceremonial laws. They were unclean. They were dealing with animals day in and day out. They were dirty. They were filthy. They weren't smart. 
They were just considered men who worked with their hands. And they weren't considered reliable sources for their testimony in court. Jewish culture, if there was a dispute and a shepherd was a witness of the event, they weren't called into court to testify. They couldn't because they were unclean and they weren't considered individuals who were wise enough, who were smart enough to testify. And their work wasn't glamorous. They spent all day watching over sheep at night. They would have watched them to protect them from thieves and protect them from wild animals. The shepherds weren't the ideal candidates, according to our society, to be individuals worthy to hear the message. Right? Like, if I had a great message, I probably wouldn't tell the shepherds. There are no shepherds in Akron, by the way, that I'm aware of. But I wouldn't. So why does God share his message with the shepherds? I was reading a devotional, and, and this devotional helped me understand why God shared his message of hope, to share his message of great joy to the shepherds. There's five reasons why. Five reasons why we see in this passage why God reveals Jesus' birth to the shepherds is one, to shame the unbelieving religious leaders. In a world where priests, in a world where rabbis, Pharisees, and Sadducees were considered the wisest and more influential people of our day, they weren't revealed the message of the gospel. I mean, it would make sense that they would know, but it wasn't them that God revealed himself to. Why? Because in those days, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they weren't about God's work. They weren't concerned about God's love. They weren't concerned about God's promises. All they were consumed about is what, what they were able to receive from being a religious leader. They were consumed with the passions of their flesh. They were consumed for their power and authority over people. They too oppressed their own people, creating religious laws that would, would be barriers for their people and God. They were filled with their own passions and their desires, right? Like when you see in the gospels, interactions between the religious leaders and Jesus, they're not talking about the prophecies in the Old Testament concerning Jesus. What they're concerned about is what Jesus would do with the message of the gospel. What would he do? He would take power and authority away from them. So in this moment, what we see is that the announcement of the gospel, what great joy these people would have, is not to the religious leaders. It's to shame them. Shame them for believing a different gospel. Shame them for believing not in God the Father, but believing in themselves and what they could obtain, what they can do. In fact, Paul responds to this very idea in 1 Corinthians. He says, right, in verse 26 of chapter 1, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. 
God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. What society in the world considers to be wise and influential and strong, God is here to shame those things, to point us back to him. God chose what is low and despised in the earth, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. God chose the shepherds, men of a hum- humble background, men, in fact, who probably were the keepers of the sheep for the, for the temple sacrifices. He chose them to share the gospel. The second reason why God revealed this great miracle to the shepherds is to bring joy to them. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. The God of the universe, with the host of angels, with, with the angels around him uh, uh, crying out, Holy, holy is the Lord. The continual praises of the angels before God is now the God who comes to bring joy to shepherds. He's come to the lowly and humble estate. He's come to the marginalized. He's come to the people who have been disenfranchised. He's come for you and me. He's come to bring the shepherds great joy. Our God sees fit to break the social norms of their culture. Where people expected that if the Messiah would come, it would be with, with power of a military strength or with the wisdom of the religious leaders. No, he has come to the shepherds. And the shepherds are the ones who testify of his great power. It's not the powerful and the mighty. It's not the most influential people of our society. It's the shepherds. Now, who else receives this great joy? Look at verse 14. Not only do the shepherds have great joy, but in verse 14, what do the host of angels say? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom is pleased. In this moment, in verse 14, Heaven cannot contain itself. Think about this. A host of angels appears to shepherds in worship, in praise, in adoration to the king of kings. Even heaven cannot contain its joy. That it has to come down a meeting of heaven and earth and give praise to the living God. And the shepherds, men of, of, of not nobility, of humble backgrounds, are viewing heaven declare the wonder, majesty, and splendor of a king. Imagine thousands. Thousands of angels proclaiming the gospel before you. Heaven cannot contain itself. In fact, the fact that heaven couldn't contain itself to bring great joy actually puts us to shame. Because angels don't need salvation. Angels are not in need of a redeemer or a rescuer. 
Angels don't need God to save them from their wickedness. But we do. And yet, heaven is able to declare the majesty of God for us. They didn't need him to save them, and yet they're able to give praise for what he will do in our life. That puts us to shame because many of us here allow the bitterness and anger, frustration of our world, of our church, to hold back our praise. The music is too loud, so we can't praise. The sermon is too long, so I can't lift up my hands. And the church is going through crisis, and I can't handle that. I can't praise him. My life, my family is broken. The marriage is not coming back. The child is not coming back to the Lord. God has not given me the, the resources that I want. He hasn't given me the house, the car, the job that I want. He hasn't given me the things that I need. And I can't praise him until he does it. And yet the angels who need nothing from God in a salvific way are able to praise God on our behalf. That should put us to shame. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. Man. That should encourage us this morning that we ought to praise God and worship God when we can't or feel like it, we praise him, whether we have the house, whether we have the car, whether we have the relationship, whether or not the marriage is going well, we'll praise him in every circumstances. We'll praise him facing the obstacle. We'll praise him facing the hurdle. We'll praise him when we feel like we can't praise him because he hasn't given us what we wanted. We will praise him. Think about that. They praised him. They couldn't contain themselves. There was no prophetic world in the Old Testament that said the angels have to come down and praise God. No, they praised him. Not because it was prophesied, but because they know and they see that this great creator came down so that you and I can have life and they're praising him for what he will do in our lives. If the angels can praise a man, surely we can praise him. Because we are the beneficiaries. The Bible doesn't say that the angels are co-heirs with Christ. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Christ. Another reason why God revealed his son that will bring great joy is so that all people can have great joy. Luke reminds us in verse 10 that the promise made in Isaiah has been fulfilled and it should bring great joy to who? The people of Israel. But it's not just the people of Israel. It's us, the Gentiles. The world, all generations, all generations can receive this great joy. All people can receive this great joy. Man, what a blessing. 
What a blessing that God has come down, not in judgment, but he's come down in grace and mercy. And we today can share in that great joy along with the angels that he has done a great thing, a great thing in our life. I mean, surely you don't believe that you can find great joy in yourself. I mean, look at the world around us. Things are not getting better. There's greater strife, political discord. The educational system is broken. Thank God for people like Principal Super at Emmanuel who preach the gospel day in and day out in the face of adversity. I mean, but look at our culture. And then we look to political leaders and be like, would you save us? Our society is so broken that young people turn to technology and social media to find their identity, to find their value in something that's bigger than them, that they would receive praise. Mental health and mental illnesses are, are, are rising. What's the solution? More materialism. No. It's great joy. It's a song of joy. It's the message of the gospel. It's the message of the angel that has come down. Find great joy in hope, not in yourself, not in your pride, not in your sin. Find great joy in Jesus. Great joy is found in the person of Jesus. Are you anxious? Are you fearful? Find rest in the presence of Jesus. Are you lost and can't find your way? Find your direction, your guidance in Jesus. Are you bitter and angry and frustrated with the church? Are you overwhelmed with your problems, with, with your difficulties? Are you overwhelmed with what's going on in our world? Come in here and find rest and joy in the message of the gospel. Often, I've said this before, that our church here in Akron, it's not a museum. We're not here to show people how good and awesome we are. It's not, we're not here to show how well put together we are. This is a hospital. We're all sick. But guess what? We're here to be healed by our physician. He's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you don't have to have a copay. You have nothing to pay for, come in here. And this is where you're gonna find your joy, in the face of obstacle, in the face of adversity. Because God does not promise us to deliver us from our problems, he just promised us that he would lead us through the obstacle. That should bring us great joy, and yet we keep it to ourselves. The world is dying and going to hell, and we have a message of great hope, and we won't say anything to it because we'd rather post our opinions on Facebook rather than post a message of great joy. Now, social media is great, but, but it has turned us away from God. God has revealed his message to the shepherds because of their lowly and humble state, but he's revealed it to them to give them hope that God has not come for the most powerful and influential and the most wealthy people. 
He has come to save the people, no matter their social class, their influence, their social status, their wealth, no matter who they are. He's come to those people who are willing to say, I need you, and I need you now. That's when you'll find the joy. When you give up yourself and you look to him. The last reason why God reveals to the shepherds, which I think is our proper response to all things, is for his glory. Think about that with the, the shepherds in the scripture. They don't say, hey, we glorified and shared the message of the gospel for what we saw. What does the last verse say, right? Verse 20. They praise God and glorify God for what they had heard and seen, meaning they have already believed the message of the gospel before they saw the king of kings in the feeding trough. The reason why God reveals Jesus' birth to the shepherds is so that the shepherds can glorify him and so that they can be in awe of a surprising glory that they too would be recipients of a redeeming God who would save them from their oppression. And it's our response as well that we, along with the shepherds, will lift up the name of Jesus. Our life, our life mission is to make Jesus known. Cost us what it will cost us. We're here to make Jesus known. The shepherds receive the message of hope, of great joy, so that they can testify with their mouth that he did this. What should be our response? Should it be the bitterness? Should it be the anger and frustration with life's troubles? Should it be silence? No. It should be praise and glory. Praise and glory to a king who didn't come to fight, but to conquer sin and death so that you and I can have life in this kingdom. It's to bring praise and glory to the sun. Our response this Christmas season isn't being overwhelmed by the gifts, isn't being overwhelmed by all the family activities. It's to be in awe and in great awe of this joy that Christ, the King who came down from heaven, who had it all, became flesh so that you and I can respond to him with praise. That is the message. You know, the irony of the story, too, is that we know in Scripture, the Bible says, this is John's gospel, right? John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God reveals the birth of his son to shepherds who are taking care of his sheep. And we also know in scripture that Jesus is our great shepherd, that we are his sheep. And the parallel of the story is that God is continuing to reveal his redemptive plan to us, showing us 
that he would be the sacrificial lamb on our behalf because we're his sheep. He will die for us. He will be brutally murdered on our behalf so that we can continue in his fold. And at the same time, he would be our great shepherd, that he would be the one who leaves the 99 for the one. And guess who's the one? You and me. We're the one. We're the one he goes to to rescue us so that he can receive the glory. Why don't we take a moment this morning? I know that Christmas is difficult for a lot of people. I know Christmas can be hard for a lot of people. I'm aware of that. But in this moment, by the power of the Spirit, can you find a small way to praise God for what he has done? To thank him for what he is doing and to have faith to believe him for what he will do. Let's take a moment. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Everyone in this room, keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. Even if you're watching online here, do me a favor. Why don't you raise both your hands in the air? And we're just going to praise him. We're going to praise him for what we don't have because we have what we already need. Why don't you praise him out loud right now for whatever the Spirit brings to your mind on how you can praise him? God, we lift up our hands and surrender to you, but in praise, knowing that you have done it all for us. We thank you that you have put the story of the shepherds in, in Scripture so that we can be encouraged that you look to us, Father God, to, to bring you praise and that, and that you seek to restore us to have a right relationship with you. God, we thank you for the Christmas story. We thank you that you have been faithful, that you are faithful, and that you will be faithful to your promises. We praise you that you are our rescuer, that you are our deliverer. We praise you that you have conquered sin and death, and we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are freed, truly free in your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your revelation to the shepherds. And God, that we would be reminded that you have done this work for your glory and your honor. And the people of God say this morning. This has been a message from the chapel. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about the chapel or any of our campuses, including Akron, Green, Wadsworth, Kenmore, Cuyahoga Falls, Nordonia, and Medina, please go to our website at thechapel.life.